0: Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. So it is not our duty to point out, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It is our responsibility to point them to Christ who is right. And once Christ comes in, he helps them to fix all the other stuff that is wrong. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name for this moment that you've given us to gather around your word. Father, we do pray today that you would speak to us by your spirit, that you would lead us into all truth and show us things to come Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you. Teach us. Shape our minds, our thoughts, our attitudes. Teach us. Father, I pray by your grace that every barrier, every hindrance to us receiving your word would just fall, and that you would speak to your church by your spirit. Father, we ask this by faith. We ask that you would give us the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that your people would not just hear my voice, but they would hear your voice over this voice, that they would not only just see me, but they would see you through me, that they would not just feel me, but they would feel your presence all around me. Father, I pray that over your people, that as we go forth, that the world won't, won't just see them, but they would see you through them, The world won't only feel them, family and friends will not only feel them, but they would feel you through them. Lord, let them be surrounded by the atmosphere of heaven. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that we are effective and we have an impact, a greater impact. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Praise God Almighty. Hallelujah. Well, here we go. Uh, This is part number six of the series entitled Rise of the Sons of God. And I'm so excited about this series. This is part number six, and we are going strong in this series. So as long as the Holy Spirit pours out, we'll continue to listen and stay right under that waterfall. Amen. All right, Kingdom Rock, let us greet our online community that is joining us right now. Let's greet them by a hand of applause. Bless you, online community. Hallelujah. Wherever you are all around the world, we celebrate you and we thank you for being a part of the service today. We want you to know that we are praying for you and your families. Uh, The portion of Kingdom Rock that is watching right now, you're watching in your homes. You don't feel quite safe yet. Don't worry about it. As soon as you do, you come on back, but don't wait too long. There's an impartation that God has for in-person services, and that door is beginning to close. So make sure that you get here as soon as you can. Amen. All right, and all of our friends that are joining us from all around the world, you keep on listening, keep on staying tuned, because God has a word for you. Amen. All right. So again, like I said, this is part number six of this series, and really, I want to title this, subtitle this: While You Were Sleeping while you were sleeping. Hear the voice of the Spirit today. All right, this series comes with a confession, so let's go ahead and, and have our confession. Those of you that are joining us by uh, YouTube or Vimeo or Roku or any other, uh, of the platforms, Periscope, uh, you can definitely just um, speak along with us. And those of you that are joining us by way of podcast or radio, you, go, you can uh, uh, just repeat after me. All right, let's try it. I am a born-again believer. I choose to be a disciple, a devoted follower of Christ. Therefore, I live in his power and authority. I choose to walk in, with, and through the Holy Spirit to manifest Father's purposes and plans in the earth. I am covered by the blood of Jesus surrounded by holy angels, and the atmosphere of heaven fills every space I occupy. I am a son of God. Hallelujah. I just love saying that every time. Hallelujah. And of course, we've said throughout the series that the word son does not denote gender. So my sisters, you're good to go. Hallelujah. Sons of God is a title. As we've said, president, there can be a woman president or man president. Boss, the term boss can be male or female, right? Uh, So this is a title, a title. For more on that, go back to part one, two, three, four, five. Praise God. All right, but today let's go on. The last time we spoke, we talked about how Jesus is betrothed to the church. Jesus is engaged to the church. He's coming back for his bride. But as I've also told you that not everyone that is a part of the church is a part of the bride, because as the Bible says in Revelation 19, let's go and look at it. Revelation 19, verse 7 through 9, it says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. So notice again that his wife, the lamb, the the wife, uh, that is the church, has made itself ready. Now we say that again, and and the Lord says that multiple times in scripture, uh, that not all of the church is the bride, because not all of the church is making themselves ready to receive the Lord. Hallelujah. And we'll see uh, further on uh, throughout the throughout the scriptures, scriptures as we go on today. So again, the church is the bride in that the church is preparing itself, but not everyone that is a part of the church is actively preparing themselves to be with the Lord. Hallelujah. So we'll talk about that today. On last time, we also talked about 13 different signs that Jesus gave us, 13 different signs he gave us in Matthew 24 that point to uh, his soon Return that pointed to uh, the signs of the time and they gave us some direction of how the culture would look when he comes back. Well, all of those have been fulfilled. Jesus is soon to come. The atmosphere is set now for the return of the Lord. There's nothing else that has to be done before Jesus comes back. It is all fulfilled and the, and the atmosphere is ready. You'll also understand that uh, we're going to also talk about um, Matthew 25, talk about the ten virgins. We are finally going to get to those uh, to those virgins today. Hallelujah! Yeah. Finally going to get to the virgins today. <laughs> Hallelujah! And uh, so we'll do that. Uh, but we'll also understand that even in the parable of the ten virgins, five foolish, five wise, they were all virgins, all set aside for use. Right? Set aside but not all had made themselves ready. Not all were ready, right? Just like in Matthew 24, the Lord said, there'll be two grinding at the meal, one to be taken, one to be left. Two in the bed, one to be taken, one to be left. So he, between chapters 24 and 25, he gives us a 50% 50%, uh, of those who are invited, a 50% total. So we could almost say, you've heard people say in colleges, you know, look around the room. Some of you won't be here. Some of you will drop out and this and that and the other. Not everybody will be ready. Not everybody will graduate. Hallelujah. Okay, can't get a lot of talk online community, but hallelujah. But it is the truth. Not everyone will make themselves ready. Not everyone will be caught up with the Lord in the the air. That's fact. That's not fiction. Not everyone will, because not everyone is making themselves ready. So we'll talk about that as we go on. Now, as we talk about those ten virgins, understand that uh, these virgins represent the church. Now, I want to give you, I started to give you a little bit of background information about the wedding feast, about the wedding ceremony last time. Uh, Let me give you just a little bit more today, and then we'll actually go into Matthew 25, okay? So again, uh, this is a little background information. The bridegroom, of course, was dressed as. Now, this is in a biblical culture. Okay, so as we talk about the bridegroom or the groom coming from his father's house to go pick up his bride, the bride was at her parents' house or her father's house. When the bridegroom would come, he would come with people with him, and they would go. They left. He left his father's house. And now he's going to his bride's house. So he is now in biblical culture, uh, he had to dress as much like a king as possible. If he could afford it, talking about in biblical times, if the groom could afford it, he would wear a crown, okay? So he would leave his father's house. And of course, we see this prophetically because that's exactly what Jesus did, right? He left his father's house pursuing his bride. That's one reason that that movie, Coming to America, was so popular, <laughs> I think, because, you know, he left his father's house in pursuit of his bride, right? All right, anyway, just as far as I'm gonna go with that. So, he left his father's house in pursuit, with, in pursuit of, the, of the bride. Now, here again, in Jewish culture, he wore a crown going to, uh, to her house to pick her up, right? So, uh, In turn, also, the bride will be making herself ready. She's being perfumed up, got her clothes all together and all of that. And um, as they're walking, as they're walking uh, from her house to the groom's house, she's going to have a veil over her face and she's going to allow her hair to flow, praise the Lord, revealing her glory. The woman's hair is a glory, uh, speaking uh, biblically. So she would allow the glory to be revealed as she's going now. When the bridegroom gets to her house, there's not a thing where where she puts up her finger and says, wait, I'm I'm not done yet. Give me 10 more minutes. No, that's against culture. When you get there, she's up and she's ready because she knows that he's coming just after dark. Okay, He's coming in the night night hour. All this is custom because it would point to what Jesus would do for us. The, The bridegroom comes in the dark. He comes in the dark. And of course he has light with him and those that are there at her house and that are with her, that are also ready, that also have light, they can go with her to the bridegroom's house. Okay, And so they would leave the house Uh, and of course she, I didn't tell you, but she also is wearing a crown. She's also wearing a crown and so here's bride and bridegroom now going down the street with family and friends, those invited guests, and they all have light because, of course, it's dark in the streets. So without light, you could not participate. Now, as they were walking down the road, walking down the street from the bride's house uh, to the the father's house, to the bridegroom's, to the groom's house, uh, everybody had light, and, of course, they were playing instruments, musical instruments, So there was dancing as they went down the road, and a part of the bride's family would go before or would precede the bride and groom, and they would hand out um, some sort of treats, uh, I think parched grains. They would hand it out to children along the way, those that were standing along the route. Much like if you think about our parades today, Uh, you know, there's music and people dancing, and we're throwing out candy as we go down the road. That's a show of prosperity, prosperity and kindness. So, so catch the scene, uh, it, it, the atmosphere is dark, but this whole parade, if you say parade or procession, is full of light. In order to be in this procession, you had to have light. And as they go down, also as, they, as they're going down the street, those uh, that were invited to the wedding ceremony, if they weren't at the bride's house, they could join the procession if they were invited, they could join the procession as they went down the road, as long as they had a lamp or they had a torch. They can join in and just, and so the crowd got bigger and bigger and bigger as they entered into the father's house. Now the most, important, the most important event of the whole ceremony was when the bride and groom entered into the father's house. That was official, she left from her house going into the Father's house. Got it? If you did not have light, you were not allowed to be in the procession, and you were not allowed to enter into the house. Light was a form of identification. It's dark, who are you? Amen. Who are you? It's dark, you can't see. I mean, they didn't have asphalt streets and all that. You have, where are you stepping, and what are you stepping on? Everybody had to have their own light. So if you didn't have a light, you couldn't go. Got it? All right. So let's go ahead now and um, let's do a little reading. Let's go to Matthew 25 and verses 1 through 13. So we said all that to get here. It says, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Verse 2 five of them were wise and five were foolish they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps so that makes more sense now right let's talk a little bit a little bit about verse number 1 how it says they took light or they they took their lamps they received The Bible says took, the word took there means to receive, which means again, the the lamps and the oil was available to everybody, okay? Now again, if the virgins here are representing the church, the oil is available, much like in today's society, the oil is available, and we're talking about the oil, oil symbolizing the Holy Spirit, symbolizing the presence of God. The oil is available, the lamp is available to everybody. The Bible calls you foolish if you do not receive of the oil of the Spirit. But you say, I have a lamp, and right now, with these biblical lamps, much like in today's culture as well, they came with a measure of oil in it already. So while they waited on the bridegroom to come, their lamps were burning. Their lamps were burning. And you'll notice that the bridegroom decided to come, Well, the Father released him to come because the Bible even says in Matthew 24 that the angels don't know when Jesus is coming. You know, they don't know, only the Father knows. It's in His timing. So the Father released the bridegroom to come to get his bride after the old oil ran out. Only those that had fresh oil were able to join this procession going to the Father's house. Old oil failed. And so it was very clear then who was foolish and who was wise. In the beginning, you didn't know who was foolish and who was wise. You didn't know it because the foolish would say, oh, he's going to come in in a minute because it's customary right after dark he comes. There's enough oil in this lamp anyway to get from here to there. Y'all are fools. Why are you studying your Bible like that? Why are you going to Sunday school? Why are you getting in the word? Why are you fasting so much? Why are you going to church every week? Why are you getting in the word? Y'all are so foolish. But after the old oil ran out, you can clearly see who is foolish and who is wise. Because the Bible says that after that point, the foolish then begins to ask the wise give us of your oil, right? All right, let me go back and tell you a little bit more. So the Bible says here that they took oil, but not everybody did. Not everybody did. Not everybody took the opportunity to go the extra mile. It took extra effort to to receive the oil. Now, there's a reason why Jesus says 10 virgins instead of five or four or 12 or what have you. The number 10 is highly prophetic because the number 10, uh, the number 10 is, or represents authority, it represents obedience, it represents testimony and responsibility. The number 10 is also uh, the completion of an order, the completion of an order. So if we look even in, just in modern times, numbers one through 10, that's that whole section. After 10, you begin to go into another number group, right? 10 is the completion of an order. So again, the number 10 represents authority. It represents obedience. It represents testimony and responsibility. It is the completion. It is the complete number. So as the Lord says, 10 virgins, he's about to give us a complete sample or a complete snapshot of what the end time church is going to look like of what the end days are going to look like. Revelation calls it also the, a Laodicean church. That is, uh, the Lord said, "'I wish that you were either hot or cold, "'but because you're neither hot or cold, "'you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth.'" In these last days, because remember, uh, verse one begin, Verse one continues with the answer that the disciples asked him in, verse, in uh, chapter 24, the disciples asked him, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? So this is another sign that Jesus is giving the end time church. He's telling them this is another picture or a snapshot. And he's telling them, hey, wink, wink, there'll be 10 virgins. This is a complete sampling, a complete number, complete picture. So when he says 10, he's talking about responsibility. He's talking, uh, he's talking about uh, testimony, responsibility, testimony, authority, and so he's talking about these things, and obedience, so we're going to see all that line up uh, in these ten virgins. Now, number ten again is highly, is highly prophetic, because we know that uh, in Egypt, how many plagues did the Lord pour out? Ten, the ten plagues of Egypt. That was a complete judgment. There will be none other after that, a complete judgment against, uh, against them. How many commandments did the Lord give us? He gave us also what? Ten. This is complete. Talking about responsibility and obedience. He gave them ten. And also, if we look at um, what system the Lord gave the Old Testament church, as well as the new, really, uh, to as a testimony or witness of our faithfulness to him in finances. He gave us the tenth, the ten percent, the tenth part representing, again, obedience, representing testimony, where you have a testimony of faith as it relates to this. Hallelujah. Uh, so, And it also talks about authority. So he's giving us over and over again these examples of 10, and it goes all throughout scripture. And of course, the devil picks up with this, and he tries to counterfeit it, because in the last days after Uh, After the raptures occurred, we believe, after the raptures occurred and the church and the world, rather, is going through the uh, great tribulation period, the devil is going to raise up the last world kingdom because, you know, there'll be one more world kingdom. And Satan is going to be the head of that, that one world kingdom. And Daniel prophesies about that in Daniel, the second chapter, and also in Revelation, the uh, chapter 13 and 17 he talks about this end-time kingdom having ten horns and ten heads and ten crowns, talking about authority, a completeness. So the enemy tries to counterfeit what God is going to do, uh, what He's doing also in that number ten. So as we go back to, um, as we go back to um, Matthew the 25th chapter, Jesus says there will be ten virgins again, talking about responsibility, talking about obedience. This also talks about testimony, testimony, and it is also a symbol of authority. So Jesus says, let me give you a snapshot of how the end time church is going to look when I come back. How it's going to look when I come back. All right. You got me? All right. So now at the very end of this, the Bible says that When the five wise go in with him, the door will be shut. That shutting of the door ends what we know as, what is known as the church age. The rapture concludes what we know as the church age. Everything that you have seen now will not take place after the rapture of the church. When the time, when when Satan, the God of this world system begins to rule, they won't be able to meet like you are openly now and all of that stuff. No, the rapture is the signaling of the ending of the church age. When we go in with him, the church as we know it, that age will be concluded. And people will still be able to go to heaven, will still be able to have favor with God They'll have to believe in Jesus. And then, of course, they'll have to be beheaded too. So these are things that we want to avoid at all costs. So when the door is closed, and the, of course, we've read this before, as the virgins, as the five foolish virgins come to the door, and they beat on the door and say, Lord, Lord, open to us, open to us. And Jesus looks out, the Lord looks out and says, I don't know you. I don't know you. Why that age is over, that age is over. Can they still make it in? Absolutely, by believing in Him. But they're going to have to be beheaded. Just read the book of Revelations, in order to Revelation, in order to uh, receive receive a reward. So again, this is a strong, very prophetic symbol that the Lord gives us, as He says, ten virgins, virgins the ones who have set themselves aside. They were all set aside, but not all were ready when he came. Got it? They were all set aside, but not all were prepared for his return. All right? So again, we talk about while while, uh, we slept. While you slept, many things happened. That's the title of today's message. So again, they took, the wives took extra oil in preparation for what they knew was happening. Now, they all expected Jesus to come. They all expected the bridegroom to come. They were all sitting and waiting. But the foolish assumed that he would come sooner. The foolish assumed that they were all right with what they had. They assumed that everything was covered. They didn't seek after him. They had no passion for him. They had no zeal for him. They just figured, at least I am coming. At least I am here. They had no passion for the one that they love. Remember we said before that when the rapture does occur, and a a great picture of that is, uh, as we said, in Sodom and Gomorrah, as God sent the angels to bring Lot out. Lot and his family out. His wife turned back. She turned back because there's still something in Sodom and Gomorrah that she valued that still drawed her to it. When the Lord comes back, is there anything else? Is there anything on this planet or anyone that would tie you here? Is there anything else down here that you value more than him? If the Lord, remember the Lord said that you must love him more than father and mother or brother, sister, so forth and so on. You must love him more. Your love for him must be more than anything else. So when he comes, will you be one of the ones to say, oh, wait, Lord. And then miss, because you're thinking about something that's still here or our thought would be, well, Lord, I hope you come, but Lord, can you just give me a, give me a little bit because, you know, I want to I wanna start this. I want to do that. So just don't come just yet, Jesus. Just don't come just yet because, you know, I got things to do. All of those things to do you're talking about, these are things that you love more than him. You should love his appearing. You should be grateful and desire to see him. He should be the love of your life. Are you hearing me? So again, as we talk about um, really the whole thing, a lot of this is about the oil, about taking of the oil. Verse four says again, but the wise took oil in their vessels. They took extra oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now again, extra oil was made available to all of them, but only half, only half of them took the opportunity. The other half, perhaps thought that it was unnecessary. It doesn't take all of that. You don't really have to fast. You don't really have to seek the face of God. You don't really have to have an established prayer time. You know, it doesn't really take all that. You don't really have to get in the word. You don't really have to study it. You know, just sort of, just be around it. You don't really have to do it. You know, they say, you know, you can just be, be spoon fed by the pastor. You're going to go to church and hear it anyway, so you don't really have to get in your word yourself, do you? Just let him spoon for you. You don't have to do that. That's what the other half said. And if you look at the today's culture, you will see again that there is a trend and it has been a growing trend toward that. Toward that, and how many are actually seeking after Christ seeking him with a fire and a fervor to know him, or are we more valuing the things that are here? Are you understanding? Because as our heart is stretched out toward him, he'll handle everything down here. Does that make sense? Now, the oil again represents the Holy Spirit or the presence of God. Let's look at Galatians, the fourth chapter. Galatians 4. I want to show you uh, uh, show you two scriptures here. Galatians fourth chapter, verse number six. Galatians four and six. It says, And because ye are sons, God has hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba Father. Let me look at show you one more. Romans 8, verse 9. Romans 8, chapter 9, of uh, the New Living Translation this time. It says. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So again, the oil talks about the Holy Spirit. It talks about the very presence of God dwelling within you talks about us walking after the spirit and not walking after the flesh. So it's important that again that we acknowledge the spirit in our lives. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for leading us into all truth. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Lord, I ask you to lead me in my decisions today. Uh, Holy Spirit, lead me in the word. Help me to see Jesus. Because as you acknowledge his presence, as you acknowledge him, you'll hear him speak to you and your relationship with Christ will grow deeper because it is the Holy Spirit that leads you to Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit that will manifest Christ before you. It is the Holy Spirit that leads you into the word and leads you beyond the surfaces and shows you things to come. It is the Spirit of God. We could also say that the Holy Spirit is the resident God in the earth. He's the one who leads us. He's the one who's, who's preparing people to see Christ. He's the one who's convicting them of sins. The Holy Spirit is. So you have to acknowledge him, acknowledge the spirit, ask him, and he'll lead you into truth. Hallelujah. God, and if you are truly born of God, he gave you his spirit. He gave you his spirit. But understand this, if you don't call out to the father, if you don't acknowledge his Holy Spirit and allow the spirit of God to have activity in you, then you are probably grieving his spirit probably grieving the Holy Spirit, not allowing him to have full expression in your life. So I would urge you, acknowledge the Holy Spirit, acknowledge him, pray in the spirit, sing with the spirit and, 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 um, and he'll lead you into all truth. Verse five says, while, they, while the bridegroom tarried, verse five, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. The word tarried there again means to be delayed. They all fell asleep. So again, while you were sleeping, many things happened while the church slept. Remember this, when the church and and the book of Acts, when the church was first um, birthed there on the day of Pentecost, there was a lot of activity there. There was a lot of light that shined on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. And I mean, a lot of wonderful things happened there in the early church. But then the oil began to ran, run out, and we began to sleep. We began to sleep, and many laws were passed in our nation and in our world while the church continued to sleep. And let me show you a few things that happened while the church, uh, while the church slept. And, uh, of course, uh, Paul prophesies about this. Let's go to 2 Timothy The the third chapter, 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Let me show you a few things here. So sleeping, again, means someone that is inactive. It's inactive. So who's inactive to some regard? Of course, the ones that were foolish and wise, inactive. Inactive. And what's happening, the light is still shining, but the oil is running out. The old oil is running out. It is not until the bridegroom comes that the fresh oil is revealed. That it is revealed who is carrying the fresh oil. Does that make sense? 2 Timothy 3rd chapter says this, verse 1 through 5. You know this. It says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, we're there now, right? Yes. In the last days, there will, there will be very difficult times. Boy, do we know that. And love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So those virgins that had a lamp, especially in the end of it, in the the end when the Bible says they began to trim their lamps, they had lamps. It looked like they played the part. But they had no oil, they had no fuel, they had no fire to create, uh, they had no oil or fuel, yeah, to create the flame that would light their way, uh, that would light their way to the Father's house. Does that make sense? Now notice this too in 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, it says this, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them, uh, tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Now, please understand this. Don't fall into the trap of trying to correct the church trying to correct this preacher and becoming a, a spiritual policeman. The climate for that, we're not in that climate. Your purpose and focus should be on making sure you have oil. There is a move in our nation to do, to do, to do, to do, to do. But in focusing on doing, the focus has shifted from being to doing. Now everyone wants to do, but no one wants to be. When you be who you ought to be, you will find yourself doing what you ought to do. But if you only focus on doing and saying and you renounce being, that is being holy before the Lord, that is spending that time with him, getting in his word, that is focusing on his presence and letting his light shine through you, someone has to be a representative of Christ in the earth. When you be the light, when you be the salt, you will find that those around you will be preserved. But if our focus is always pointing at others about what they're doing, then we cease to we cease to be uh, beings, and we we become more of the ones who point in judgment. Remember, God does not call us human doers; He calls us human beings human beings your being will always go before your doing focus on that focus on the oil that is within we'll talk about that further further on the spirit urges you now if the spirit urges you to act and to say then follow the spirit of God hallelujah follow him but there's a lot of talking going on today that is not of the spirit but is of the flesh As a matter of fact, I will show you, I will share with you a trend that is going on right now at this very moment, and that there is, of course, a lot of things going on about black lives matter, and of course, black lives do matter, praise God, especially this black life that matters. There's a lot of that that goes on right now, but all lives, of course, all lives matter. Hallelujah. But let me tell you this, so there are laws being passed, and and, uh, and there are a lot of good things happening now, as far as bigotry and hate, and all these things are going on now. And there's a whole lot going on now, and this world is shaping up. But understand something: that Satan is the god of this world system, and what you'll see happening is that they begin to they'll begin to label a lot more things as um, hate crimes. They'll begin to label many more things as offensive to society. And one of the things that they will label as offensive to society is the church, is Jesus. Because the Bible says that that adultery is wrong. The Bible says that fornication is wrong. Sex before marriage is wrong. That's in the word. The Bible says that alternative lifestyles, that's wrong. The Bible speaks against all of that. So when you go and you begin to preach what God said, they may label you as a hate crime person because you say what God is saying because the Bible speaks against the culture. Now God loves everybody, we understand this. And we don't get into heaven because we have stopped doing sin. We get into heaven because we believe in Christ Jesus. So let's not get that twisted. Just because someone says, All right, I'm, I'm gonna stab the bed, I'm gonna stop doing this and stop doing that, that doesn't make them right before God. Only faith in Christ Jesus makes a person righteous before God. And when Christ comes inside, of course, the Spirit of Christ comes inside of us, He makes us right, He gets us ready. Hallelujah. So it is not by works that we're gonna be saved. So it doesn't matter what a person is doing, what lifestyle they're living. If Christ is truly the head of their lives, he takes care of the rest of it. So it is not our duty to point out, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. It is our responsibility to point them to Christ who is right. And once Christ comes in, he helps them to fix all the other stuff that is wrong. Because even if you are successful at showing them that they're wrong, showing them that they're in sin, of showing them that they're going to hell, you are successful at doing that. And they say, you know what, you're right. I need to stop doing this and and that and the other. And they stop it and they die, they'll still go to hell. Why? Because they have not believed on the name of the Son of God. Does that make sense? It is confession of Christ, believing in Christ as Messiah as Lord, that makes them righteous in the sight of God the Father, not by stop doing sin. Got it? Once Christ comes in, he'll help them, just like he helped you, just like he helps me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's have more faith in Christ than we do pointing the finger and condemning people over of, of, of what they're doing when that's really not the point in the first place. Because when he steps in, he will help them. Hallelujah? All right. So let me show you another, another bit about that and then we'll close out today. Matthew, the 13th chapter, Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Again, let me just bring that home again. Let me just, I feel like I need to really iterate that. That. If you go around and you're condemning and judging people and you're telling them that this is happening and, and that's happening, you know, unless you are led of the spirit, you're not in the spirit of Christ because I don't see that happening in the life and ministry of Jesus. The Bible says that sinners flock to Jesus. They wanted to be around him. Are you hearing And because of who he was, they saw the light, and they wanted to change. When Zacchaeus realized who Jesus was, he said, Lord, today, if I defrauded anybody, I will pay them back, and he said, I'll give them more, I'll do this, and I'll do that. When he saw Jesus as Messiah, when he saw him as Lord, change began to happen. The Holy Spirit entered in and change begins, begins to happen. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let's look at this, then we're going to close out today. As you were sleeping, things changed. Matthew 13, verse 24 through 30. Let me read a little bit. It says, Another parable, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse 25, But while men slept, you see that? But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, an enemy hath done this. When did he do it? While they were sleeping. The servant said unto him, wilt thou that we go and gather them up? But he said, nay, no, least while ye gather up the tares, ye also, rather ye root up also the wheat with them. This is the Lord's advice. Let them both grow together. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, that's the angels, I will say to the angels, the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. You got that? So these servants said, hey, I see a lot of wrong here. I see a lot of wrong here. I see this person doing this, and I see this person doing that. There's a lot of wrong going on. Now, again, here, these are pictures of the end time church. Got me? Jesus said, what? you, You want us to go ahead, Lord? You want us to go ahead and deal with them? Jesus said, no. At least while you're trying to pull them up, correct them, there's somebody around them that you'll pull up to. You don't know who God is dealing with at that moment. You see this person doing this and you say, hey, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. But you don't know that God is already dealing with them. And then you go pouring law on them, pouring law on them and telling them that they're no good, telling them that they're not right, but the Holy Spirit is dealing with them in their hearts. God is dealing with them, really dealing with them. And so here we go trying to pull them up. When God said, hey, I got that one. Take your hand away. I'm, I'm working with this one. It looks like this, but it's not really that. I'm doing a work in the background. Got it? Jesus said, let them both grow up together. Leave them alone. Let them both grow up together. And in the time of harvest, I know who are mine and who's not. He said, I'll send the angels forth and they will gather and they'll make the distinction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so there's many more things that we can say. We're going to stop right here. We'll pick up here on next week, the Lord willing. We'll talk about what happens here at midnight. Here again, Matthew 25, verse number six. It says, at midnight, there was a cry made. In the darkest time of the night, there was a cry made. It was a prophetic call that the bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. Now listen, the time to to get ready is not the time to be ready. When the bridegroom comes, when Jesus comes, that's not the time to get ready. You have to be ready before that time. Remember, there's no, uh, there's no fashion of being fashionably late in the kingdom. You're ready, you go. Remember the bridegroom comes, receives the bride and goes. He receives all those that have made themselves ready. He receives and then he goes and then the door is shut. And that shutting of the door ends the church age. And then of course after that is a tribulation period. And after the tribulation period, the Lord comes back with the saints. And this is beginning of the millennium, millennial reign of Christ Jesus. Then after that, Satan is released. And he goes forth into the world. And all those that don't want Jesus to rule their lives, well, they'll eventually be burned up and dealt with. And after that, finally, we'll have peace on earth. (laughs) Hallelujah. And we go into eternity worshiping and honor the Lord, worshiping and honoring him. So it is my prayer that you will be ready when Jesus comes, that you will not be a lukewarm church but you will receive what God is doing even now in this time. Check your oil level. Check your passion level. While you slept, you lost oil. While you were inactive, you lost oil. How passionate are you for the Lord? How passionate are you for his word? How passionate are you to pray? Now you say he is your Lord, your Savior, your King, your God. You say that you love him, but how much do you desire to spend time with him? So if you check your oil level, put your dipstick now in there and you pull it out and you check your oil level, if you're low, then now is the time to seek the Lord, to give you a fresh fire, to give you fresh anointing. Now's the time to, give you, to ask him to give you a fresh passion, to study a fresh passion for his word, because these are things that are normal, it is normal for a child to be hungry. It is normal for a babe to want milk. If These are things that are normal, and we are children of God. It is normal for us to desire our Lord. It, that's normal for us to desire to pray and be in his presence. That's normal. It's normal for you to be hungry. That's normal, but it's abnormal. It's abnormal for a child to say, I don't want anything to eat. And the child goes days without eating. That's abnormal. It's abnormal. That, that tells us, that tells the doctor that something is wrong here. Something is wrong. So if you've lost your passion, your fire for Jesus, you're passionless in your relationship, that means that something is wrong. Then we have to go before the Father and repent of our sins. Repent that we have let something come in. The cares of this life come in and choke the word and, and just choke us and And tell them, I've lost the passion for you. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and pray right now. Father, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. We, first of all, repent of our sins. Lord, we have allowed the things of this world to choke out our relationship with you. Lord, we have allowed this world to uh, take away our passion and our, our fire has gone out. But Father, we thank you that the cry has not been made just as of yet. So we have time right now to receive fresh oil and receive a fresh fire. So, Father, right now, while, you, while you're so loving and kind, that at this moment, we can ask and receive. So, Father, we confess that we don't have it, and we confess that we desire it. So, Lord, we ask today that you would give us a fresh fire, a fresh oil, and, Lord, a fresh passion for you, a fresh love for you, a fresh thirst for you. And, Lord, we ask that you would heal us Heal us of all the disappointments and the, and the bitterness of life and the unforgiveness. of Heal us of all these scars that have prevented us from having that type of relationship with you. We should be hungry for you. We should desire you. We should love you more than anything else. We were created to do that. We should be able to hear your voice more than we do any, anything else or anyone else. Lord, we should be able to feel your presence, sense your presence. We were created to do that. But Father, we don't. So Lord, we ask you now, we ask you to fill us again. Fill us full again. Give us fresh oil again. Give us a fresh fire again. A fresh zeal for you. Lord, give us that again. Restore the joy of our salvation. Lord, we've done church for so long. We've slept. We've slept. We've been jealous. We've been envious. We've been boastful and proud. Lord, we pointed fingers. And Lord, we have not lived before you the life that we should have. For that, Lord, we repent and we make confession unto you right now. We have desired the things of this world more than we have you. We have desired other relationships more than our relationship with you. Lord, we have not been completely real in all things. So, Father, we repent. We repent. We repent. And Father, we ask that we would love you more than anything or anyone else. Lord, we ask that our total attention would be devoted to you above anyone or anything else. Father, we receive you now. and We thank you for your wonderful grace that you've given unto us and given us this time to get things right. And in Holy Spirit, I pray as they, as they draw from you, that you would ignite a fresh fire in every heart. And that at your return, we'll be looking for you. Thank you, Father, for receiving our prayers and for hearing us. And thank you, Lord, that we'll be accounted as one that are ready, ready to see your face. And Lord, I just pray your your anointing, a fresh word, a fresh anointing over everyone that is listening, over everyone that is watching here in this building. And Lord, those that are joining us online, Father, I pray a fresh anointing right where they are, an anointing for change, healing, and deliverance. Bless your people, Father, I pray. And thank you so much for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Well, I'm so grateful that you came today and that you, I pray that you have received the word of the Lord. I pray that you received the word of the Lord and that you will be ready at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In the meanwhile, the Bible says that we have to occupy until he comes, occupy until he comes. That is, it's up to us to work with the Spirit, to manifest the Father's purpose and plans in the earth. Let him use you for miracles, signs, and wonders. I expect to hear wonderful testimonies, wonderful testimonies, as you begin to manifest the greater works that Christ Jesus spoke. of. Amen, amen, and amen.